0: Hi, this is Ricardo, pastor of Journey Church Ventura. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our podcast. Hope you're having a great week. We hope it's life-giving and life-changing. Take care. Amen. Amen. It's so good to see you guys. It's so good to have you here this morning. We're going to dive right in because I have a, a, a challenging message that I hope will apply to everyone in the room. And uh, I'm very, very excited about it. Um, Armed and Dangerous, we we started that that series talking about the armor of God. And we talked about putting on the armor of God and, uh, and, and making sure that we have the tools to fight today's battles. And so we went through that series and we talked about all the pieces of armor, the belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness, helmet of salvation, shod, shod with the uh, gospel of peace, the, the sword of the spirit, the shield of faith, all of the tools that we need to do battle and to do damage to the enemy. Are you guys ready to do that? awesome. Awesome. Um, I first want to say this, I want to celebrate yesterday, yesterday Black Sheep, um, uh, the, are you guys called a biker club, biker ministry, Bi- Black Sheep bike Ministry um, raised over $17,000 for Teen Challenge yesterday, <laughs> amazing, <laughs> and uh, it was so cool, it was so cool, the, the, the Teen Challenge choir was out there, it was just amazing, the whole parking lot was full of people, it was amazing, it was great. It was so good. That's why my head is uh, extra red today. And so, um, but we had a great time. It was really, really fun. And it was great to see the ministry continue to uh, contribute and, and uh, just a lot of fun. Also, don't miss this: the nachos and salsa and the salsa contest. Um, I know who's going to win, so um, <clears throat> it's going to be good. Just kidding. And so, um, but we're going to have a good time this after church. But um, Today I want to talk about marriage or mayhem. Marriage or mayhem. Now I know there are single people in the room and I just want to tell you, um, this is for you too, okay, because there's a future that you may have if you're uh, looking for a bride or a, uh, a groom or if uh, you just need good, healthy relationships, this is a relationship Message not just about marriage. It will focus on those issues, but um, it will definitely give you some marriage help and relational help. So, and if you're planning on getting married, look to the person next to you and say, you know anybody?" No, I'm just kidding. Um, the the battles of today are are significant and unique and one of the, 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 the places where the enemy is attacking most is in marriages. And I'll, I'll tell you why in just a minute but um, where he wants to divide, where he wants to separate, where he wants to destroy, where he wants to steal, where he wants to kill is in the relationship of marriage and there's a, a reason why this is. And, Um, any institution that is established by God is going to be the target of the enemy. So when God sets things up, when God calls you into ministry, when he calls you into life, when he sets you up in a marriage, that marriage is intended to be something that reflects the very nature of God. That's what marriage is and does. We're called the bride of Christ There's a reason for that because he treasures the sanctity of relationship, commitment, loyalty, purity, togetherness, intimacy. All of these things are intended to be a reflection of the nature of God. That's why the enemy doesn't like marriage. That's why he wants to divide it. That's why he wants to redefine it. That's why he wants to, to do everything he can to mess it up and to make it look Something completely different than what it was intended to look. It's a picture of relationship with God. That's what marriage is. It is the foundation of health for everyone involved in a marriage. The, 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 the couple. It's, it's intended to be a good experience. Nudge, your, nudge your, your spouse if they're here and say, you're good for me. And mean it. <laughs> okay? Where's we're supposed to have complementary relationships. It's a mutual support relationship. Not one over the other or you know, this way or that. It's, it's a mutual expression of what uh, life is supposed to be experienced as a marriage relationship. And so there's this complementary thing that's supposed to happen. I'll talk about that in just a minute. Um, kids and their well-being. Marriages, good, healthy marriages, are the best thing for kids. Now, I know this is, a, you guys are going to hear some stuff from me that might shake up a little bit or feel a little bit like uh, stepping on toes or whatever the case may be. But the best thing for kids is a healthy mom and dad, is a healthy mom and dad. And I'm not going to pull any punches, okay? Emotional and physical intimacy is intended to be the best in marriage. That means sex in marriage and nowhere else. That's where it's intended to be inside of marriage. And inside of marriage, it's intended to be good. That's what sex is all about. And intimacy is bigger than sex. We'll talk about that in just a minute. But outside of a marriage relationship, sex and, and, and physical intimacy is going to break the relationship down. It's not going to build it. And so let's start with the simple fact that understanding that marriage is God's design. In Genesis chapter two, verse 20, it says this. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and the, and the wild animals. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. Now, I think, I think that's funny because, like, was that really the intent of naming all the animals in the first place? You know, was, was he like going, uh, uh cat? No, <laughs> not a suitable helper. How many know cats are never suitable helpers, all right? Okay, the, the the golden retriever shows up and he goes, "Oh, retriever!" Now that could be it. no. You know, have you ever heard the joke that if you ever want to find out who really loves you, put your dog and your wife in the trunk of the car and come back two hours later, and see who's happy to see you. <laughs> That's awful. That's terrible. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. I don't know what was going on there, but I'm, I'm glad he did not find an animal that was going, whoa, that's cool. Um, so, the Lord, so the Lord God called, uh, caused man to fall into a deep sleep. While he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a, a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. So he called the woman, "So, uh, so she shall be called woman for she was taken out of man. And this is it. This is, that is why man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife. They become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. There's a beauty in this whole experience right here in the sense that that's why the, the, the man and the woman leave their mother and father and cling to each other. It's called leave and cleave. But the design of marriage start, started right from the beginning of mankind. This is the design. This was the plan. This was the way God intended it for it to be. And and the fact that they were both naked and felt no shame was the beauty and says a lot about the relationship and is why when you get married, nakedness is no longer a weird thing. It's It's a healthy thing. Okay, that's as far as I'll go with that. We'll keep this PG as best we can. But Adam... Adam and Eve were the first married couple. They're the first ones to exemplify the relationship of marriage. And it was designed by God. And we have to embrace that idea. We have to embrace the idea that that marriage was God's plan and marriage is God's design. And if we try and mess with it, it's messing with God's plan. Amen? Okay. Some of you are going to have a hard time with some of this, but it's going to be, it's going to just get better and better. Philippians 2, 5 through 8, there's a passage in Ephesians. I didn't put it on the screen, but it says this. It says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Also says for wives to submit to your husbands as to the Lord. And and that one gets the most quotes, by the way. The wives submit to your husbands. That one gets the most quotes, most often by husbands. Okay? Husbands, stop quoting that passage. Start quoting this passage. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And when I've heard that, and I was, my wife and I were going through a tough time, my wife and I were struggling, and I had to ask the question, how do I love my wife? Now, I'm not perfect. I'm not the best husband. I, I wouldn't go for husband of the year or anything like that. But I would say that this particular passage has helped me understand, at least to the best of my ability, how I should approach, most often try and approach, my relationship with my wife. And that's Philippians chapter two. It says in verse five, it says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. So all relationships should we should approach as Jesus approaches us. Who, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to, be, something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So the whole approach to relationships, the whole way Jesus loves us is the way we are to love our spouse. And that is to abandon any sense of pride that we have and become a servant to our spouse. And if necessary, a sacrificial servant. That's the approach if you're here and you're single, the best thing you can learn to do is become a servant, not a commander, not a demander, not somebody who's an overlord, but somebody who is there to help that person, whoever it is, your hu- your future husband or your future wife to become the best they can be, which is exactly what Jesus did for you and me. Are we good? So it's his design, and the best thing we can do is to treat each other in all relationships, but especially in the marriage relationship, like Jesus treats us. And so what are the three things that I think are the attacks on this relationship, this attack on God's design, this attack on the way that Jesus wants us to live together in holy matrimony and have a happy, everlasting life? and they lived happily ever after right why are there chuckles those are the the honest chuckles and the ones that aren't chuckling are going if I say anything I'm in trouble (laughs) I think the three main attacks on marriage today are simply this the first one is unmet expectations unmet expectations In a relationship, all of us, no matter married or just friendships or even in in co-worker relationships, all of us have expectations of others. There was a study done a long time ago in in what was causing divorce. And most of us would say, well, uh, affairs, um, money. Uh, all the, uh, the pressure of life, kids sometimes, all these past abuse issues, um, you know, father issues, mother issues, whatever, all these issues. But the, the bottom line came down to what, what people were entering into marriage with was these expectations that never got met. And as a result, those expectations became irritations. They became disappointments, and after disappointment comes this this, uh, resentment, and after resentment comes anger, and after anger comes isolation, and after isolation comes separation. I call this the the expectation ladder, and what happens is when you are disappointed, you go, okay, I can handle disappointment, but then you start resenting because your needs aren't being met, and as a result, you get angry, and after you get angry, and it doesn't solve itself, you start isolating, and you start stay, staying away, especially during those kinds of situations, and then if you stay away long enough, you might as well separate, and that's the kind of the mentality. But then when you, your, your, your expectations are met, there's satisfaction, and instead of resentment, there's endearment, and instead of anger, there's, there's happiness or, or, you know, pleasure. And instead of, instead of this isolation, there's intimacy, there's closeness. And instead of this separation, there's long-lasting relationship. There's this whole experience that happens when we have met expectations instead of unmet expectations. And I think what happens is, is that we get into these uh, ways of communicating, especially when our expectations aren 't met, that we stop communicating, or we have these voodoo what I call voodoo uh, uh, topics that you can 't bring up don 't bring that up because if you do you 're going to get everything going in in you know just big ex big ex- ex- uh, anger moments, you're going to have big arguments, you're going to ha- create all this tension. And so you stay away from these topics. And pretty soon, those topics are, those, are your needs. And it gets awful. You, you have the fear of not being heard, or you have the fear of being heard, but not having your, your, your needs met. And that just continues to build and continues to build. And what happens is we become quick to anger instead of slow to listen. You've heard the passage in James, verse 1. It says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce righteousness that God desires. And so, you know, we have this uh, quick, slow, slow. It's kind of the the little uh, tag thing that I put on this. is quick, slow, slow. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. But if you, are, if you have unmet expectations, I guarantee you anger comes quickly. Comes quickly. Proverbs 15, one says this, a gentle, gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And this is kind of the, the path that we go down when, when um, unmet expectations happen in our lives is that it's very hard to give a gentle answer once your expectations, once you've reached that anger level You've been disappointed. You've got resentment going and now you're angry and you let it continue to build. What's the solve? What's the solve of unmet expectations? First of all, communicate, communicate, communicate. You got to take the stigma off of communicating anything and everything. Everything should be communicated. Everything should be open for talking about. Without anger, you should be quick, slow, uh, or quick to listen, slow to, to, to anger, um, and, and uh, <clears throat> you should be uh, slow to speak. And so you should have this, this, this desire to serve. If we go back to Philippians chapter 2, what did Jesus do to bring redemption into our lives? The first thing he did is he humbled himself and became a servant. And it's likely that these expectations are not impossibilities for you to meet. They just inconvenience us. Well, if Jesus took that approach, he would have said, No, I'm not leaving heaven. Let them die in their sin, let them do what they want to do. And our spouses aren't sinning. Their, their expectations are very likely reasonable, but because they're inconveniences, we don't want to meet them. And so we have to say, Lord, give me the heart of a servant. Give me the heart that you have to redeem relationships. And when we have that, when we serve, instead of not meet expectations, we're there to meet expectations. We enter the conversation with how can I serve you? How can I help you? How can I connect with you? How can I touch that need that you have in your life, that expectation that you have? Whatever it is, how can I come and meet that? And when we do that, and especially when we do that in a mutual context, man, the closeness comes back. The satisfaction comes back. The endearment comes back. And pretty soon you're connected and you're having a great relationship. And it affects all aspects of our life. And the last thing that we need to do in, in that unmet expectation category is forgive. Forgive. Let it go. Let let. Let the the offense go and let God restore your relationship. I believe that those relationships, even in this room that have been broken, can be restored if we will forgive, if we will enter it with a servant's heart because that's how Jesus redeemed us and he can redeem your relationship. The second attack that he is, uh, that the enemy is having on relationships today is that we are not falling in love with the original design of our spouse. We are not falling in love with the original design of our spouse. We are God's creation or your creation. Which one do you want? God's, yeah. We love a picture of our dream person, but we married a different person. You thought the person you married was your dream person, and they turned out to be something different, not quite what you thought they were. And I think this is a tragedy because I believe that what God has done is put two people together that are meant to complement each other, but each of them have a dream of a different person than the, the actual person that God's created them to be. And that's a tragedy because if we would take time to understand the value and the, 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 the created version of the person, you would fall in love with that person in a flat second. Because God didn't design junk, He didn't design a bad person, He designed a unique person to be a compliment to you and for you to be a compliment to them. That's the intention of what marriage is. Not to bring two of the same people together, but two unique, created by him designs that complement each other and support each other. And when that happens, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Now, my wife and I are polar opposite people. And in my selfish moments, and I'm just being really raw with you guys, in my selfish moments, and I have them, I don't enjoy... The created Karen. And I think she'll understand when she sees this. <laughs> and you can pray for me. This may be a long week. I may be camping this week. But in my selfish moments, I. I She's different than me. We think different. We see things from a different perspective. But when I am able to put myself down and become a servant and become that person that says, you know what, I want to honor that created being that God's made Karen to be. Oh, man, she brings the best out in me. She bring, it brings the best out in her. And we complement each other like no other. We are a force to be reckoned with when we are operating in our original design. And you cannot stop us. We are a force to be reckoned with. But when you start, when I start messing with her design and she starts messing with mine, then we are just a mess. And there's sparks flying and it's not ironing, sharpening iron, sharpening iron. It's two fires coming together. But when we are iron sharpening iron and we're working together like it's supposed to be, it's a beautiful experience and it brings us together. And we need to live in that context where we honor the design, the original design of the person. And this is where you have to get, you know, whether you go through a gifts test, a spiritual gifts test, or where you go through an Enneagram or a disc test or different personality tests. These are really good tools to help you understand the original design of your spouse or, and, and the person that you're relating to. And this works in, in a, a, uh, a, a job situation or a um, relationship, just friends. You can understand each other better. Romans 12, 3 says this. For by grace given me, I say, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. So, God has given us everything. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, through many, though many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. So, there's a design that God has created in each of us to complement each other. And when we come together and we bring those in complementary form, it's amazing. When we decide that we're not going to work together and we're going to mess with everybody's design, then we mess with the whole thing and it becomes really ugly. And so the power is this. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your, your faith. Who, who you are is how you need to act. And when we do that in our marriage relationships, it becomes complementary unless we're trying to change the other person. And how many relationships does that happen in? Oh, I don't like this about my spouse. I don't like this about my spouse. I don't like that about. They talk too much. They're too organized. They're, I'm a free flyer. I just like to do whatever and he's not spontaneous. I'm spontaneous and she's doesn't doesn't, you know, she he she's too organized. And, you know whatever the case may be. All of those things are meant to come together. And yeah, there's compromise. But that's the gift that God has made. And if the enemy can divide us by t- telling us that the person that you have in your life, if you said I do, by the way, if you said I do, she's the one. He's the one. That's it. It's, it's a, the conversation's over about who it is. Right? A- amen. Amen. Okay. I realize we live in America, but we're preaching the Bible. Okay. His or her original design is God's plan for you becoming the best you. You haven't made a bad decision. You just might have a bad perspective. And God wants to put you together. He wants to heal you. The enemy wants to pull you apart. And he wants you to become somebody different than you're supposed to be. And that's not God's plan. Each spouse needs to look at each other and go, I'm so grateful for how God made you. And if you don't know how God made that person, study it, get after it, look at it, get some personality tests, get some spiritual gifting tests, take these these processes and, and use them for your benefit and I know God's going to do some amazing things last thing that the enemy is attacking is our intimacy sexuality we'll call this other attractions a lack of intimacy in the relationship emotional and physical affairs are happening porn is happening all kinds of things if if the enemy can get our eyes off of our spouse and eyes on something else then the enemy is winning and this is true if you're single this is true if you're married no matter what he can mess us up and here's the truth if you are single and you're looking at porn you are you've already been you have a wounded heart if you're married and you're, you're, you're distracted and you're, you're looking at other things, you're wounding not only your heart, but the heart of your marriage and your spouse. And the enemy is doing everything he can to, to make everything normalized. He's redefining what kind of person we are, what kind of relationship we have. He's defining who we think we are and who we really are. He's doing all of this to, to try and create this distorted a perspective of human relationships, and really, the, where it belongs and where we should have our eyes and our hearts and our purity is in a married relationship with another person. A married relationship between a man and a woman. In First Thessalonians 4 it says this: It says, "It is God's will that you should be sanctified." The word sanctified" means that we are set apart for holiness. We're set apart. We're out of the, 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 um, the, uh, the, the cultural river that might be pre- prevalent in our, in our country right now. We're out of that and we're set apart for God's culture. Amen. And so that's what sanctified means. And it says that you should avoid sexual immorality that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God. And that, is, that in this matter, no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. And I love that last statement because I really do believe that what we, we need to understand is that sex outside of marriage, sex porn, any of those things, it is exploitive. And it's, it's taking advantage or doing wrong to another brother or sister or human being. It's degrading, it's, it's, it's uh, exploitation, it's abusive, it's all of those things. And we have to understand that we have a responsibility in our lives to respect every human being, not as a, a, a physical body or a physical image, but as a brother or sister in Christ. And I realize this is a big struggle. This is a big, big struggle for men and women. And we must purify our hearts, purify our activities, purify our input. And when we purify our input, the output will be the same. But if we, if we put impure in, we're going to get impure out. The Lord will punish all those who commit such sins as we told you and warned you before. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject a human being, but God, the very God who gives you his Holy Spirit. That's a heavy one. I wanna, in just a moment, I'm gonna pray, but I, I realize that probably some shame, some guilt, some frustration, some disappointment in your own self may have just entered into your heart. Just hearing these words going, oh, man, God really does take this seriously. Absolutely he does. And I realize none of us are perfect in this room. And we're going to make mistakes and we're going to go there and, and we're going to do things that, we, that are unpleasing to God. But we have the ability to come before God and say, God, forgive me. And he will. Yes. Yes. I struggled with this area when I first became a Christian. And uh, so much so that I went to my pastor and I said, Pastor, I don't want to live anymore. So if I can't please God, I don't want to live and I was genuinely considering suicide because I, I, I felt like I, I can't overcome this area in my life. And if I can't overcome this area and I can't please God, I loved him enough to say, God, I really don't want to live if I can't live for you. And so my pastor said, first of all, you're not going to stop making mistakes. So you got to get over that because you're never going to be perfect. And that God's grace is available to you now. And if you will receive his grace now, he will begin to give you the, the, the power, the strength to overcome this stuff. And there have been trips and falls throughout my life and, and, and especially my young life and my young faith. But each time I know God's continued to, to release and to give me strength and to give me power to overcome this area. And I know there are people in this room, and I'm being raw about it, because I believe that there are people that are struggling even now. You're going through this, this challenge of, of porn, maybe you're uh, in a relationship that's unpleasing, whatever the case may be, you're going through it, and I want to provide grace for you in Christ, and then He's going to empower you with the tools that we have for the battle, right? Right? the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, the shield of faith, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, all of these tools are here to defend us from the constant barrage of this and the other areas that we've talked about. And I believe God wants to set you free today. This is the culture. Crosby, Stills, and Nash sang the song if you can't be with the one you love, then love, love the one you're with. What? I was talking, I was, I was, I was looking for just illustrations, and, and I, I was talking to Julia, my assistant, and I was in my office, and I was thinking this through, and I go, love the one you're with. That's cool. And then she said the other part of it, and I'm like, that's not cool. That's a stupid song. If you can't be with the one you love, love the one you're with. That is stupid. God wants to bring us into right relationship with Him and with those that we relate to, and especially our spouses. Guys and gals, if, if we're bringing this stuff into our marriage, we're cheating our marriage. And God wants to give us strength to strengthen the marriage. And The enemy wants to divide. He wants to hurt. He wants to steal. He wants to kill. He wants to destroy. And I believe that what God wants to bring today is just the opposite of that. He wants to bring us victory. He wants to give us life. He wants to take and build things instead of destroy things. And he doesn't want to steal. He wants to give. Amen. And so let's go after the restoration of our hearts today. If there's any area that where if there's unmet expectations in your relationship, if you have, have this image of your spouse that's not the original, then it's your duty today to begin to find out the original and fall in love with that original design that God created to you, for you to be married to or the person that you will be married to. Find that person that you love, but that person who's their original design not the the image that you've created in your mind. And let's restore the intimacy in our relationship to its right place. Let's put it so that our spouses are our focal points, our lives and our desires, our hungers, our intimacy is being rebuilt. And there's so much we could talk about. This is an entire sermon series I'm preaching today in one message. But I believe that God wants to restore and bring health, to relationships and no matter if you're broken no matter if you've gone through divorce or you're divorced or you're thinking about divorce no matter what God can restore God can put away the past and bring new Now I don't know I'm not this isn't a, a message about you know change everything and, and go back to where you were it, there are all kinds of circumstances I realize that But God does and wants to take you from this point and move you forward. And I believe God's going to do that right now. Let's pray. God, thank you so much. Thank you so much for everything you're doing in our lives right now to restore relationships. To restore marriage relationships. To give marriage hope instead of despair. Instead of that what the world wants to do is redefine it or completely throw it out. Lord, we believe that it's a sacred institution designed by you to bring two completely different people together to complement each other and to make each other the best we can be. I pray, Father, for the brokenness in this room, that in the name of Jesus, you would restore that brokenness. Lord, I pray for those that are, are have have um, been looking at porn or have have sexual issues or intimacy issues I pray in the name of Jesus that you restore those relationships to the purity that you intended to be in the name of Jesus Christ in the name of Jesus Christ I pray for those Lord that have uh, designed somebody different than uh, you have designed them to be Lord I pray that we fall in love with your original design of our spouse so that we may love each other as you have designed us to love each other. Father, I believe that something new is happening today in the hearts and lives of every person in this room. Your grace is here to forgive any sin we've committed. Your your promise of hope is here as you've told us that you designed marriage to be a, a holy and sacred thing, and we embrace it that way. And Lord, I believe that as the expectations of all of us have begin to be communicated anew, that those expectations will be met by a servant's heart and that we will serve each other's needs and expectations and bless each other. Lord, I pray for health and healing today in Jesus' name. And maybe you're here today and this wasn't the quite related, relationship message you were going to you anticipated hearing about but there's one relationship that you need before any other relationship and that's one with Jesus Christ and if you haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior I want to invite you to do so by simply praying this simple prayer dear Jesus please forgive me of my sin I believe that you died on a cross and when you died on a cross you forgave me of my sin you made it possible for my sin to be gone So I ask you to forgive me, and I accept that forgiveness today. And I believe that you were raised from the dead. And as a result, you have promised me eternal life. And I accept eternal life into my life, and that's my hope. And I commit to follow you for the rest of my life. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.